Oh, y'all see the flow, the bounce, all of that is getting better and better every episode. Welcome, 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 guys, to the Analog Girl Podcast. This is your podcast for your 30-somethings and your 40-somethings, and we are on a quest, y'all. We are on a quest to live our analog lives in this digital-driven world, and I'm super excited to be back. This is the second episode in the new year, and your girl is still being consistent. Again, you know, I always want to thank you guys every week for listening. You are supporting me. You guys are sending me messages and I love it. I'm so happy. I'm so happy y'all listening. You know, it's a small crew of us, but we out there and we're listening and we are learning how to get this wellness thing down packed. You hear me? And I'm so happy that you guys are listening. Always remember to check out my Instagram at the.analoggirl or Twitter, the underscore analog girl, my website, theanaloggirl.com. You can always catch all the old episodes on there. Also, if you listen on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, please, guys, please subscribe and uh, rate and comment. It always helps your girl out. I would really appreciate it. I really, really would. Um, and, you know, if you want to be in contact with me, my email is info at analoggirlpodcast.com. And without any further ado, let's just go on and get into the check-in. Alrighty. So we're not wasting any time. We're going right on into this episode. I'm not keeping y'all. I'm not going to hold y'all long. Um, so let's just... Uh, well, one, guys, I hope your anxiety levels are low to non-existent. I hope your 2019 is getting getting off to a great start. And if not, we always have to remember to breathe. So let's just do a quick little breathing exercise right now. In through the nose. On a four count. Out through the mouth. On a four count. Hold it. Breathe right again. Breathe right on in. In through the nose. On the four count, hold it, breathe out through the mouth, four count. And let go all of that anxiety. Um, What I'm finding is I'm learning different counts um, to breathe. So breathing in on the four count, hold on the four count, breathe out on the four count, hold on the four count and repeat. And that um, ultimately uh, reduces your stress. I found, uh, you know, guys, I always am finding some new shit out here. I'm always going to be researching and getting a new shit, just anything that's going to help your girl be calm in these streets. So um, that is a breathing technique that I've been doing. Breathe in on the four count, hold on the four count, breathe out on the four, four count, and then repeat, breathe in or four count. It does calm me down. It does, um, I don't know about reducing stress, but it does calm me down immediately. Um, and it helps me, uh, to meditate better. So you guys might want to try that out. All right. So for me and, uh, my anxiety check-in for this, um, week, I honestly have been doing pretty damn well. Um, considering uh, my my circumstances, um, you know, your girls out here job searching, 
I need a job. Like I need a job and I don't need a job now, but I need a job like right now. And if I don't get the job, then I need some sort of um, residual income to be coming in aseptual, you know, because your girl is still under pressure. All right. And the clock is ticking. So, but what I'm finding is by the grace of God that I am not stressing as much. And that could be because I ain't on my cycle. So we don't, you know, I, y'all know when I'm, when my cycle comes, y'all know y'all might get an episode late. Y'all might not even get an episode. Like it just all depends because it, I just go into this like Alice in Wonderland uh, well or two, whatever you call that thing, uh, whatever you call that little thing that she'd be down in that. Um, looks like a full-on tornado or something. I'll be in that in the middle of a tornado. But um, I feel, you know, like I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling disassociated. And I'm, you know, I'm still with the coping skills. If I've, you know, with the intrusive thoughts, I have the thoughts and then I pop them right back out. You know, I just, I have the thoughts and then I'm just like, um, I I let it pass. I don't resist them. Um, I surrender to the thoughts. I let the thought come. And then I just think a positive thought with that, or I go into um, a more charming thought, um, if you will. So that's really how I've been handling myself for the past couple of days. And I think I've been doing pretty good and I've been feeling good. I've been spending quite some time alone and I'm not feeling super, super lonely. So um, I think I'm doing good with that. Um, what what I'm not, what I would say I'm not doing well with is staying motivated. Um, I think uh, the fact that I'm always, I'm constantly thinking like, okay, so what's going to be my job? What's my career going to be? Should I take this job? What should I do? Why isn't anybody reaching out to me? This is crazy, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think with all of that, it's, it, it, it has kind of made me a bit lazy. So I don't really feel motivated um, or sometimes feeling like I'm capable enough to go out here and search for jobs. So I think that's what's kind of weighing on me a little bit this week. Um, and I wouldn't say stressing me, but again, um, I'm a very inward thinking person. So, um, it could be stressing me out, you know, and I just don't know. I just hope it doesn't hit the fan next week or some shit. You know what I mean? So that's really where I'm at with anxiety check-in. Um, I, you know, I'm trying not to let the job search stress me out. I have not been feeling super disassociated. Um, this week, which has been great. I attribute that to the fact that um, I am not on my cycle. So the hormones have just kind of like leveled out. Um, And I also, I am abusing. When I tell you abusing, I am abusing my essential oil diffuser. I use that thing every night. And what I do is like I'll shower with my Shea Moisture um, lavender soap and then lotion up with the Shea Moisture. No, first, then I'll lotion up, oil down with lavender oil, pure lavender oil that my friend Jermaine got me from like Home Goods. And it has the lavender sprigs in there. So I'll do that and then lotion up with some, you know, top it off with some lavender lotion from Shea Moisture and get up in this bed. And then I put on my diffuser, y'all. 
and I put the lavender in there and they be saying, oh, you, all you need is two to three drops. Your girl be in there like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like putting mad drops. And um, I lay there. I try to clear my mind. I try to think about all the, you know, the, the things I want to happen in my life and all the great positive things I, I want in life. And um, by in like five, ten minutes, I'm knocked out. It, it, it's really been um, it's really been a great help. I really, really um, love the diffuser. Jermaine, my friend Jermaine got me that the diffuser. Um, and it's like one of the best gifts that I've ever had. It really, really helps. It really does calm me down. This is not a gimmick. Um, the minute I start smelling that, and I also sometimes take the lavender, um, the bottle and sniff the bottle. And that's like even, and cause I don't have the inhalers and you can do the same thing. Like you can just take the oil and inhale the oil when you're feeling a little anxious or put them, uh, put a little dab under your nose, put a little dab on your temples and you'll just keep inhaling it and it will calm you down. So that is what I've been doing. So here's to us, um, using lavender oils or using whatever, any other kind of essential oils to calm us down and make us feel good. Put a smile on our face, you know? Whatever works. This is what I'm trying to do. Whatever works in 2019. Okay, so it's time for the anxiety zone. And it's just me, guys. This is all you're going to get. There's no guests this week. And I hope you, you know what? Y'all better enjoy it. Okay, enjoy me. Okay, live with me. Let me take you on a journey. Okay. In the anxiety zone today, guys, we're discussing the R. Kelly documentary. And we're discussing the survivors mostly, okay? Because I really don't want to discuss Robert. Um, I decided that I think that we should, I wanted to talk about this and we should have a dialogue about this because um, there's been a lot of scrutiny, a lot of mean shit being said on social media. And I think it's time that um, a lot of people just start speaking up, which we are, and I love it. Um, Unfortunately, I realized that I've now got to survive social media after surviving R. Kelly. Um, because a lot of the things that I was seeing online, a lot of the comments, a lot of comments coming from men and women, black men and women, especially, um, was disheartening. And I was triggered as fuck. I'm going to just tell y'all straight up. Um, because I was also labeled one of the fast girls growing up. And I just thought that maybe I share my story with you guys, um, about my experience with an older man when I was a teenager. Um, and maybe if some can see my point of view, that they would choose better words um, in describing these young women. Um, so I think that there's a bigger conversation that should be had about um, self-love, sex, uh, loving others, um, when it's appropriate to date, when it's not appropriate to date, who is deemed appropriate to date. Um, those conversations need to be had. Unfortunately, they have to be had with um, people who are getting younger, who are younger and younger. So I believe that by us telling our stories and us speaking our truth, um, we should be able to have these conversations. And I'm hoping that me telling my story would um, start a lot of these conversations across the board. Okay, so let's just go on into the anxiety zone. Toya D 
who was living a life of complete and utter trash, y'all, spending money frivolously on clothes, food, and bottles of wine that could be finished in one setting alone, ghosting Sally Mae and never paying a bill, y'all, going back and forth in relationships that were called situationships, a what? Going from one dead-end job to another, struggling with racial and social anxieties in the workplace. Nature finally took its course. On March 1st, Toya D woke up in an apparent dream world to which she calls the urban matrix and was left to figure out the true meaning of life and human existence. Join the journey on the quest to live fabulously, shamelessly, bold, and fearless and confident with mental health in the anxiety zone. All right, we're in the anxiety zone and we're talking about surviving social media after surviving R. Kelly. And if any, if there are anybody, if there's any folks out there that's like me um, who suffer with PTSD or anxiety or any other kind of mental health um, issues and you watch this and you uh, were triggered, you are not alone. You're not alone at all. Um, I was extremely uh, triggered. But what triggered me the most and was still very much so triggering today is the uh, the responses from people, the comments. And I don't know why I find myself even reading this shit, but um, just the responses from people is, is absolutely insane, um, some of them. Um, and that is what, uh, I feel like I need to go to therapy about, like, I got to process this. I got to process this shit. I got to process the fact that there are people out there who just feel like all black women lie. All black women do is, is, is try to get men for their money. And, um, that we just don't have a say. We just don't have a fucking say. And it's crazy. And it's asinine for that to be anyone's perspective, let alone people in the black community. And it ain't just black men saying this shit. I'm telling you, it's black women that I've been seeing talking about the fast girls. And that's what really I want to get into today. We're going to talk about these fast girls Um, because um, I was labeled the fast girl. And full disclosure, I don't come from a crackhead home. I don't come from no crazy broken home. My parents uh, are still together till this day. I don't, I don't, I don't come from a broken home. I don't come from the ghetto. I don't come from whatever you want to call. It. I don't come from the projects. Whatever y'all were saying, all these things I was seeing. And even if you do come from that background, that does not give you a, a, an automatic. Um, label as being going to be a fast girl or going to be a drug dealer. That's just not it. So I come from a very strict strict household. Um, my father and my mom actually were, uh, I grew up in church. My father and my mother grew up, uh, pe- they broke, grew up, they grew up in church, but they met in church. My father was a pastor. Uh, my mom, you know, progressed and became a minister herself. I was pastoring with my father. Still to this day, my mother is pastoring. And I believe my father is doing the same thing. Y'all know I don't really speak to that guy, but I believe that's what he's doing with himself. So growing up, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't the it girl. 
my friends. However, growing up, the guys liked them and they had cute little boyfriends. And I would be always the one to tag along with Aletha and them or whatever. You know, I did have cute little boyfriends here and there, like in fourth grade and fifth grade. And I just always remember being a hopeless romantic. Um, and oh my gosh, I just had a flashback of how um, t- um your the tone of tenderoni and the roni is so right. The think I wanna love her for the that tenderoni song, that whole tenderoni album, whatever that name of that album, that Bobby Brown album was. I remember that coming out when I was in like fourth grade, and I was listening to those songs on repeat. I remember being madly in love with this guy named Donald Collins. And I would listen to that song on repeat. And this is in fourth grade. Okay. And I was just so hopelessly in love and just wanting love and just always remember being this hopeless romantic. I am a hopeless romantic still to this day. Um, and I just always remember being that kind of girl. So I think I did. And me and Donald, me and Donald Collins ended up being a little boyfriend and girlfriend. And I had a little boyfriend at sixth grade. Like I was just having cute little boyfriends here and there. You know what I mean? And um, it wasn't nothing crazy. Wasn't no, you know, hiding in the back and doing crazy stuff. It was very innocent. It's very innocent. And keeping in mind that my parents ain't let me go no fucking where. Um, I couldn't really like, I could play outside, but I had to be home a certain time. Uh, wasn't none of that me hanging out at four, at, you know, in fourth grade to the wee hours of the night that wasn't happening. So, and also I was in church a lot. So about, you know, during school times when I had the time to be, you know, I had a little Donald, got Donald Collins and whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, fast forward to us turning to, uh, to us turning 13 or 12, 12 or 13. You know, I still, I wasn't one of the popular girls, but, you know, I was still cool. I had friends. I had a lot of friends, but as far as like guys or, you know, really liking me and approaching me all the time, it really wasn't like none of that. I can't remember. I can't say. I know, I know I didn't have a problem with, you know, someone liking me and me liking them, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, a constant thing or I wasn't deemed the pretty girl in the town. None of that. Um... So, you know, there was a lot of group of group of guys who would tease me, call me buckwheat, all kind of stuff. And they didn't really, they didn't take, they thought I was ugly, but they were, they liked like my best friend and all the other girls or whatever. Um, there was a young man in the, in, in, in Parkchester. Um, and I won't say his name because I don't know if he's even alive or not. I don't know, whatever. I'm just don't want to do that. Um, and he was about 20 years old. I was 12. No, I was 12 when I met him. Um, And he was 20. And he was nice. And he was was tentative to me. And um, it wasn't really... I don't really remember... Um, everything I know we talked on the phone a lot. I would go hang out with him and, you know, in the streets we would go hang out, you know, like, like there's no hangout in the streets really like in Parkchester, like we had parks. So I was able to go out in the afternoon. He would be out there. I'd be hanging out with him. Okay. Um, an argument happened between my father and I, I can't remember what it was. And my father actually ended up slapping me in my face. And I remember being very upset and I was like, I'm not staying here. 
keep in mind, I'm like 12 or 13 and my ass runs away. Okay. Um, I ran away to this particular young man's house. He actually was the first person that I was intimate with. In hindsight, when I'm looking back at this, this all sounds crazy. It looks crazy. It looks wrong. It looks like I'm fast. But when I'm going back to my psyche back then at 12 and 13, um, there was nothing about me that was like, oh, I'm out here trying to manipulate guys. I'm out here just want to have sex. And I honestly um, was a hopeless romantic and just wanted to be loved. I wanted to, I just wanted to, I was watching a different world. I was watching um, Dwayne Wayne be the prototype to Whitley. I was even watching a Cosby show when Vanessa was all um, loved up. I forget the guy's name that she had the crush on and they had the little Halloween party and she dropped the tray of of drinks like a dummy. You know what I'm saying? And she was ashamed. She was embarrassed and she ran upstairs and then Claire and then brought the party upstairs. And then the boy was like, oh, I think you pretty like it's the same shit. We were seeing it on TV. We're all programmed to 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 be these women, to grow up, to be uh, these domestic goddesses for these men. So it's not crazy or outrageous that I would have these hopeless romantic feelings and emotions. What's crazy is that our parents, some of us, some of our parents didn't want to have these open discussions with us growing up. We didn't have to, we didn't get to have open discussions about sex and sexuality and love. It was just mostly just told to us that sex is something that adults have when they love each other and they want to make babies. (laughs) You know, it wasn't um, an in-depth conversation that should have been had. So the young man that I was intimate with for the first time, who was like my boyfriend at the time, I ran away to his house. You know, it was just crazy. My father ends up finding out. He finds out his age, everything. And this is what hit home to me watching Surviving R. Kelly. In watching Surviving R. Kelly, I can see where the why the 14-year-old might have said that wasn't her in the tape. I could see why she wouldn't want to testify. I can see, I can see it all. Because I was in the very same predicament and my father definitely called the authorities. He wasn't having it. He wasn't with the shits. He called the authorities. Um, and, and I just remember having, being, being, um, uh, tutored or coached on how one things to say. And I remember adamantly saying, I'm not testifying. I refuse to testify. I'm not testifying. And I remember being super stressed out because um, this guy's um, future was uh, in in my hands. And at, at at thirteen, that's just a lot. That's just a fucking lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. And basically, at thirteen, all you really want to do, all you wanted to do, is just go the fuck away. I just honestly remember just wanting it all to go the fuck away. I didn't want any parts of it. I didn't want to keep going to the precinct. I didn't want to testify against him. I didn't want to see him again. Like I just wanted it all to go the fuck away. And um, it just 
watching Survivor R. Kelly triggered me and made me think, this is this, I, I was there. I was her. I was her. And um, it broke my heart because, you know, people were saying, you know, she was fast and, you know, the other girls were fast. And it's like, I just don't think that it's a matter of being fast. I think it's a matter of you can't, we're, we're dealing with adults and we're children trying to make adult decisions. It doesn't work that way. Adults can't even make right fucking decisions. So how do we assume and put blame on a teenager and say, you know, it's all about fucking decisions? You're absolutely correct. But how many of y'all out there as teenagers can say that y'all made every fucking decision you made was right? It's just not fair to say that. And and then in turn, I'm going on to social media and I'm reading these comments and that's what I started to feel really um, down and feeling like, damn, I got to survive this shit all over again. It was almost like hearing what everybody used to say about me in a church all over again. It was almost like hearing the rumors that people would spread about me all over again. Um, knowing that um, I've, I got friends whose parents was throwing a side eye at me, like, don't hang out with her. She's bad news. Because I decided to sleep with a particular sleep with someone at a young age, it was never my intent to tell anybody about what I was doing, and I was never trying to push anybody to do anything. So that's why I really, it was really bugged out to me. So um, I totally understood where, um, I totally understood what this girl's mind frame could have been at that point in time. And keep in mind, millions of dollars was not at play in my situation. Millions of dollars was at play with this young girl. So I could, t- I, I know that there was an extreme amount of pressure on her and um, I can understand why she would say she, that's not her in the video. Um, I think that I think that there should be a bigger conversation that should be had after um, surviving R. Kelly. Um, and I think that that I've noticed in, in reading comments and even this whole thing that came up with Sin Santana. And I don't even really know this girl like this. All I just know is that she's Joe Button's fiance or whomever. Um, with the whole, it's always, it's, I feel like sometimes it's always an attack on black women and black young girls and that we should just be held responsible and it's our fault and we shouldn't be seducing um, these men. And um, it's us putting these men in danger and putting these men at risk um, because men will be men and we shouldn't be. What? No. Men in the age of 20 and up messing with somebody who's fucking 13 or 12 years old or 14 should know fucking better. There should be no reason why you would want to sit down and lay down with somebody who's in seventh and eighth grade and you have clearly cleared college (laughs) at this point. It makes no sense. And what was and what I'm also hearing is how back in the days, this was a normal thing and everybody used to do it. And the older guys used to come to the high school and stop trying to act like you didn't have your older man coming to pick you up. Rightfully so. And if that's what the fuck we was doing back in the nineties, it's just not okay to do it anymore. Just like it wasn't okay for people, for white people to deem black people 
not human in the Constitution, just like they did that shit back in them 60s and 40s and them 50s and, and, and back. And now we have we've, we had to fight to change the law, to change the Constitution. It's the same fucking thing. We have got to now fight and speak up and speak in our truth and say, this shit ain't right. This shit ain't right. And it's really sad to see um, the divide in the Black community after watching Surviving R. Kelly. I feel like I'm seeing so many Black men not come to, not coming to the defense of us at all. Even friends of mine I talk to, like, oh, it's always this. What he did with the young girls, that was wrong. That was wrong. But those other girls, they know what the fuck they're doing. Um, those 17-year-olds, those 18-year-olds, they know what they were doing. So for some reason, in people's minds, when you see a 17, 18-year-old white girl, it's y'all not, y'all don't see her the same as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old black girl. Because one, maybe she's her body is sick. I'm I'm looking at it's girls on Instagram, their bodies is crazy. They be like 19, 20 years old, 17 years old. Cray cray. I understand. But that is not our fault. And because of the way we look and because of the way we're built, does not mean that we should know better. It doesn't mean that we should know better. And it's not fair to say, oh, but these girls who were 17 and 18, that's almost legal and they should know better. No. No, they, how could you, when someone with so much money and power is approaching you, how could you know better? How could you know better if you come from the hood and you ain't never seen shit? How could you? It's just not fair. And I don't, I don't understand why the black woman is always so abandoned um, in these scenarios. And then in the same sentence, people be so mad and calling us fast and, and, and saying we should know better. But then when we create our own communities and we start saying black girl magic, people get mad at that. They get mad at us empowering ourselves. It's the weirdest thing. And that that is just really what's been really crippling to me this whole week is just watching this um this downward spiral that we're going in guys um, and watching and reading all of these comments and then the whole Sin Santana thing coming up and how she felt that black men catered to Spanish men more because basically it was black women are just less desirable because we have bad attitudes. Now she didn't say bad attitudes, but what she did say was, Oh no, I'm not going to say none. Cause the black girl's going to be like, Oh, eh, eh. That's what homegirl said. And so what does that mean? What, is, and, and what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And it was just very ignorant. While she has, come, she has come out and apologized, I do honestly believe that that was a product of what Black men have told her. I think it's a product of what she's seen and how, and how she's, how she's um, observed how Black women, how Black men treat her versus how Black men have treated Black women in her perspective. It's, it's, it's learned behavior. This is all fucking learned behavior that her feeling that way when she was talking about that two years ago, didn't just come out of nowhere. That's learned fucking behavior. It's something she observed. Somebody told her that. So between all of that and then listening to, and uh, listening to people's podcasts and 
just listening to all the guys and some guys just giving, you know, all of these excuses for R. Kelly. And then a thought occurred to me, could it be, could it be that some of these men um, saw themselves, and I'm not saying they saw themselves as abusers, but some of these men saw some of their truth in these stories. Some of these men saw where they could have virtually been um, inappropriate in some shape, form, or fashion. Could it be because you you realize you're liking these pictures on Instagram, you're seeing all of this shit on Instagram, and then you realize the girl's really 18. Could it be that you're seeing these guys have are seeing themselves sometimes in, in some of this? I don't know, but I'm just very, very confused at all the anger that I'm seeing towards the Black women in these comments. Granted, there are people out there who's just straight up calling a spade a spade and saying that nigga's sick. He should not be <laughs> doing this shit anymore. They need to just take everybody up out of his house. I'm seeing all that too. But what I'm also seeing, and it's heartbreaking to see, is the men and the women calling the young girls fast and saying that they should have known better and not running to their defense. In my opinion, those comments and that behavior is just like the juror who said in the documentary that he just didn't like black women. He didn't like the way they look. He didn't like the way they dressed. And therefore he just did not believe them. I just, every, and now just thinking about it just stresses me out. I just felt the need to tell you guys my story to maybe give other people a perspective of what could have been going on in these young girls' mind, especially someone like Aaliyah or the 14-year-old who was getting peed on. Y'all got to understand that there are other stories that her story is not being told. These are from other, these is this, that story was being told from other people, other people's accounts. And I, my heart goes out to her. I think she's, I'm sure she's in her thirties at this point. I don't know what she's going through at this point, but I damn sure know that from the start of me being intimate with that man, um, started, um, a, uh, not a spiral effect, but it started um, a behavior in me and my perspective on men and my perspective of sexuality and my perspective of sex um, started there. And I often wonder, I oftentimes wondered if he would have known better um, and if he didn't pursue me, what would my life be like? I often wonder that. And but everything happens for a reason, and I'm, and maybe it is for me to be able to tell this story to, to today. Um, do I feel abused? Do I feel manipulated in that situation? No, I did not. I didn't feel it then. I don't feel it now. Um, I do see where he was wrong. I see where he was wrong, and I do see where I wish I had the education and the wherewithal to make a better decision. I really do wish that. And I think that now now is a better time than ever to start teaching children about sex, sexuality, um, the do's and the don'ts, and the rights and the wrongs. Um, because I can tell y'all stories for days about friends that I've had in high school who was fucking the guidance counselors. And it's just because of misguidance, <laughs> no point intended, and it's, um, and it's miseducation. So um, I ain't going to hold y'all up. 
with this whole story. And I hope that I don't want this story. I don't want this to go away. I'm kind of sick and tired of talking about it. I'm sick and tired of trying to defend um, my position on it. Um, I just really hope that, you know, R. Kelly just gets some help and, 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 and gets what he deserves, whatever that may be. And, um, we can move on and grow and have bigger conversations about this without people being so angry, all this anger and resentment for people speaking their truth. It's the craziest thing. And I'm not saying that everybody ain't out to get everybody. There's some people who's not out to get money from him. I'm sure there is. I'm sure that what comes with being a predator is him becoming the prey. I get it. But everybody ain't lying in that situation. And the fact of the matter is we know for a fact that if we just cancel out everybody else, that young woman, the 14-year-old, Aaliyah, and also the young woman that sought his ass out at the courthouse, he ain't had no business and he should have been able to make an adult decision. (sighs) So I say all, I've said all that I had to say. I don't think there's anything else that I could say um, this week. And that documentary has definitely had an effect on me and made me really think inwardly about who I became um, because of my decisions um, at such a young age and how dealing, how will I deal with men moving forward? Um, And I just don't want to have a jaded perspective of men um, and black men, especially moving forward. But some men are just making it so hard. It's, they're making it so hard, um, but I cho- I'm, I'm choosing to be positive, and I choose um, I'm choosing love at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I'm choosing love, and I just hope that um, we can build a stronger community around this. I mean, I really hope so. So, with that being said, guys, I mean, if anybody wants to have have a have a open dialogue or discussion, feel free to reach out to me. I do not mind, and that's it. That's it for the anxiety zone, y'all. I'll be checking back with y'all next week. We definitely need some affirmations to calm us down and take us on into the new week. So I figured we'd do some affirmations about self-love and loving who you are and loving Black women, no matter what. So the first one is, I don't have to be anyone but myself. Who I am is enough. I don't have to be anyone but myself. Who I am is enough. I am worthy of love. There is nothing that can change that. I was born worthy. I am worthy of love. There is nothing that can change that. I was born worthy. I complete me. I am whole. I complete me. I am whole. I celebrate my victories and embrace my failures as opportunities to learn and grow. I celebrate my victories, and I embrace my failures as opportunities to learn and grow. And I hope that we are learning and we're growing, even in the midst of all of this confusion and heartache and pain that we've endured surviving R. Kelly and surviving social media after R. Kelly. I ain't going to hold y'all and I ain't going to let y'all hold me. We'll talk next week. Bye.